Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Zaydal. I'm 19 episodes and we've got a good one. I know you'll be sick of me saying it because I say it every single time, but I was absolutely thrilled. Um, I reached out to this wonderful woman um, a couple of weeks ago to see if she'd be interested in coming on the podcast and delightfully um, she was and we arranged for her to come in this evening um, to, to record the podcast with us. Um, Andrea Horn, for anyone who doesn't know Andrea, she is an incredible entrepreneur I know she'll probably you know won't won't want me saying that but she is so inspirational in terms of her attitude of having an idea having um, a, a plan in place for a project or a campaign or a business and just going out and absolutely nailing it um, started out in PR um, had a, a long list of different jobs that led her to taking a year out to go on holidays traveling with her sister um, where she came up with the idea for a nail bar uh, called Tropical Popical and now if, if you live in Dublin you know Tropical Popical it's it's become a community based a part of 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 Dublin culture um she also has a podcast called United Ireland podcast which is all the political stuff that you don't want to hear about she's discussing with Una Malali and they're spinning it back to you in a refreshing honest interesting fashion um and alongside all these wonderful different things she also has um her passion project her passion campaign no more hotels which is pretty much trying to um bring back uh you know irish culture to to save um all these little bits of of dublin culture of nightlife culture that make ireland so great um so we had her in to talk about her life you know what she's passionate about all the different things that are going on in her life to get a little insight into who she is and and how she manages to have all these different things going on and to do them all so well so it was great to get an insight um into who she is in her life she also spoke very candidly about her dad and her dad's death um really interesting very um eye-opening and emotional conversation with, with andrea tonight um so without further ado I will let you sit back and enjoy the 19th episode of The First Exchange with Andrea Horan. Welcome, Andrea Horan. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming in. I'm delighted. I've Since I started the podcast, we're what, 19 episodes in now. I had like a little, you know, pre-list of like everyone that I wanted to get in and you were on my list. Oh so. my God, yes, yes, I made the list. <laughs> I mean, the list is 5,000 long, yeah, but you're on like, there, you're on there. everyone in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm really delighted that you could come in because obviously it's the first time we've met, but I've known about you for many years of all your wonderful work. So that's so why I wanted to get you in and just talk about everything. Oh God. So my, I, I know you from obviously Tropical Popical. Yeah, me nail salon. Nail salon. Um, but also more recently was kind of like all this sort of activism work and, you know, our 
the No More Hotels campaign that you were kind of leading and, you know, just someone who's kind of, you know, in these circles in Dublin that's doing great work and is very vocal and very sort of inspiration, Manila, in your own way, you know, someone who you can kind of resonate with that just kind of is very truthful and honest and someone who's like, oh, she's got the same opinions that I do or she's got an interesting viewpoint. So I wanted to get you in to talk to me about it and and give me an insight into like who you are and and how this... (laughs) I feel like I'm on a Frasier episode (laughs) or something. This is your life. How do you feel? How do you feel? feel? So I know that because I was was watching a couple of uh, interviews with you on uh, YouTube earlier on. I watched a great one called um, Gaff Something. In your gaff or something? Oh, gaff interiors. Gaff interiors, yeah. I, oh, I, was... I never watched them back. I'm literally like, oh, I can't. Well, it was brilliant. It was, I, wa- I was like, I hope she brings that unicorn head with her. It was like this fab oh unicorn head and in the corner. it's completely vegan for anyone who may be wondering if any unicorns Fantastic. were killed. Okay, just before anyone no. complains, like rings in yeah. or texts in. Um, but um, so I know that you had a background. You started out in PR. Yeah. So basically, where I want, I didn't want to work in PR. I yeah. wanted to be a psychologist. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. And then that I was a total nerd in school up until third year. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to study psychology. Stunning, stunning, stunning. Were you good in school? Up to third year I was. Then mm-hmm. like when I went into fifth year, I discovered, I went started going clubbing then. So I yeah. started going to pod. Um, right, don't, tell my, don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. <laughs> uh, and then I lost interest in yeah. uh, being a I was going to say a swat, but that's kind of <laughs> not a great word. But like I then used to have scraps with my teacher going, why would I want to be an A student who has no life? It's all about balance. I want to, I'm yes. happy being a C student mm-hmm. and having a ball and having experiences. And that's kind of stood with me since then. Um, but obviously then I didn't get the points to do psychology. But thank God, because as I learned later on, I went back to do psychology later on. I did like a diploma or something. And it's so crap because you're not allowed to have your own opinions. And as someone who's quite opinionated, I was literally like, I have yeah. to reference other people before I can have a thought. And yeah. oh, <laughs> so I couldn't cope with that. So thank God I didn't go down that path. But then I was I'm on... wondering what, with the psychology aspect of it, what was it that drew you into it originally? Was it I just people's like brains the idea or... of how people's brains work and yeah. why they do things and how they think and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of thought it was going to be like a Cosmo quiz. <laughs> it's definitely not. Like it's literally, no, it was not for me. I kind of only lasted one semester. Am I American? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely not. What is it? One like... <laughs> term module whatever um so I went on holidays after the result when the results came out as you do yeah and my mom I was like I didn't get my course and I was like what will I do and she's like I'll go and see what I can register you for so she registered me for pure Mm. in rep minds and I went and did it and did I like it no I I got really frustrated that I wasn't getting paid for the work I had to do right so while everyone was in college me and my best friend were sitting at the back like absolute doses like with our phone bills going oh my god it's so expensive let's get to Brent Thomas yeah uh, and then like so we're absolute apps and then I got a, I applied to every job that was in my mind glamorous so like mm. record labels model agencies I just wanted to be working in town in a glam job like I read too many Patricia Scanlon books City <laughs> Girls and City Women was the where yeah. I was going and Jackie Collins and all that shebang yeah so then I got a job in Pure in Edelman worked there for three years wow okay had cool. a ball and then I learned the PR trade I suppose mm. because 
I think I'm more a hands-on type of learner. Yeah. I'm not really a, like, tell me. I'm more a, let me try it. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to, tw- I was 21. I was like scaling the corporate ladder. Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, mm. I don't want to, I'm too young for this. I want to go out and sesh. Mm. So I left there and got a job in, where did I get a job? Brent Thomas, I think. Yeah. So I'd be able to party. Basically, yeah. I wanted to be able to go out and have a ball. I loved fashion. So, yeah, I did that. And then kind of one, two, skip a few. Got it, like I left there and then I got a job in spin as a salesperson. It was mm. absolutely crap. So one ad in six months. Yeah. And like I was so bad. My boss brought me in. He's How like, you lasted six months. <laughs> I know. But like he was literally like, Andrea, I, like, I really like you and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. like, do you think we can keep you on? I was like, absolutely not. Like, yeah. I'm in bits. <laughs> so then I started working in Ann Summers for a while. Wow. Yeah. Sexy times. Uh, that was good. Like I did my interview there and they were literally like, because I went for like a manager job and they were like, so are you going to be comfortable saying pussy rub across the shop floor? And I was like, yeah. oh, I actually want to get sick. It's <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, I'd be so comfortable. But like, obviously, I got very comfortable with it and yeah. all the ensuing shenanigans that you would expect in a sex shop. I imagine. Shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... I started working in Think House. This was a really long answer yeah. for no, like you perfect. started in PR. <laughs> I'm literally like, well, let me tell you, I was born this hour of and I'm a Libra. Every morning I the had sun rises. <laughs> I'm a porridge girl. <laughs> no, it's really important because it will give our listeners a, a kind of, you know, because it is important. And the reason that I asked you to give me like a timeline of events is because it all comes together and leads towards like how great you're doing now. And I suppose the foundations of how you've been successful in business since yeah, then I think every single thing that happened in those years was definitely got me to where like yeah. if I had have gone down a psychology route I would have been miserable and mm-hmm. but at the time I thought that was the path for me and was devastated I didn't get it but then it turned out like when I went back it wouldn't have suited my personality yeah. and where I ended up suited my personality mm-hmm. and what my passions and what I like doing so absolutely yeah. I think because a lot of people today they feel that you know I mean it, it's happened for for so many years with people coming out of school but they're like oh you have the fear of what I have to pick and you know then you get to like out of your 20s are you you meant to know know? exactly you're 16 or 17 what you're going to do for the rest of your life yeah exactly and people freak out about it and then what happens is you get people in their late 20s and their 30s and they've kind of gone up the ladder a little bit and then they're miserable but they're too scared to leave because they're like oh it's a good wage I want to buy a house or I've bought a house or I want to get married yeah yeah yeah. there's all these things and it just leads you this like, is a journey you're meant to go on apparently in life yeah. so this is the one I'll keep going on and you're like but I don't like the journey yeah yeah so yeah. I was always not I was always cognizant of that but I always kind of think back to when I was having that conversation with the teacher of being really like I don't want mm. to be a swat is there a nicer word for swat we'll I go mean, with it yes I don't want to be <laughs> a nerd or not a nerd I don't want to like I be want an to- intellect was that it? Would we say intellect, Shane? Can we Google it? What's the I, correct term? I want smart? to have balance. Yes. Okay. I want yeah. to enjoy my life as well as working hard. Yeah. And I think that has led, has like, I realized then that that was the life I wanted to live. I didn't want to be like, at one stage I wanted to be a surgeon. Wow. Like, obviously I would be the worst surgeon <laughs> in the world, A, because it's like fully work. I'd be literally like, but when am I going out and When can I clock off? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I think it de- like I just don't know how you would know what you want to yeah. be what you want to be when you grow up but a but also mm. to 
actually listen to what you like doing rather than mm. well I have to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend have children get a house because even we even see that when people are you know a little bit aware of where they want to be in life they still have that like fear ingrained in them like I sometimes get it so like you know I have this like a split thing where I'm like oh you're chasing you know you're working for yourself you're chasing dreams you're doing everything that you want to do you've all these goals in place but then sometimes in the quiet times I'm like holy fuck what am I doing you're 35 what are you doing you're not married you're not you don't have kids you don't have a house like fucking hell you know it's it's all this kind of like the fear kind of creeps in a little bit whenever that happens I always think if I die tomorrow what would I be happy with the day I had today yes and then if like I'm thinking oh well I wish I had a husband and children when I died well mm. then I'll go get them but yes. like at the moment I'm literally like no I had an absolute ball yeah. today <laughs> stunning <laughs> I can go happy um yeah so that's kind of that's my leveler all the time if I'm ever yeah. like oh shit and yeah. then if I did, if I look back and go, no, that was a shit day, I'll be like, what will I plan for tomorrow to make sure that's the best day ever? Mm-hmm. Do you find as someone who's, because I mean, you have, obviously your business is going on and all your different projects and campaigns that you've started, but you are very much in the public eye as well. You do a lot of media and different things. Do you ever find that you kind of get that like question of like, so, you know, kids, marriage, do you feel like you're, sometimes I feel like I get asked, about it because it's kind of like oh you're leading the charge against like you know the marriage the kids thing and I'm like why are you even bothering asking me about it it's not relevant do you know what I mean do you yeah. find that it's no. important to well, talk about it or? I think that I live under a rock in my world I'm literally <laughs> like I literally live my life away and do the yeah. bits I need to do if I need to publicize something or if I need to utilize something to like get an issue uh, some attention and mm. um, but in my mind I'm literally like under a rock so B nobody I don't think I've ever been asked and I think maybe I've been quite vocal about like where I stand on have I I don't really know nobody's ever asked me but like maybe they just don't care but also <laughs> I also I'm very like surrounded by a very varied mix of mm. people. So like I don't I like I see some of my friends who they grew up in like this is the girls group and this is the boys group mm. and everyone's pregnant and everyone's engaged. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, my God, I just do not understand. I, I completely understand how much pressure you must feel because you've known to go out with any more. You're literally your whole peer group is doing something that you're not involved in. Yeah. Um, and I count my lucky stars that I literally have this uh, fab group of people who are just all doing their own thing and there's, there's none of that pressure yeah. involved like even my sister she's she doesn't want kids either so mm. like even in my own family we I have that kind of freedom of like yeah. lack of pressure and like even my mom used to joke we're like oh I can't wait to have grandkids me and Michelle be like well you'll be you'll actually you be waiting because they're not coming from either of us <laughs> you um, might have to start fostering <laughs> but then when she she married remarried and then she like uh, had grandkids with the partner's children mm. or whatever and she's like oh no no I, I'm glad you don't have kids and we're literally like see I you have to trust yeah. choices it, like yeah let's talk about your sister for a minute because of all the interviews that I um, listened to you reference her quite a bit and it seems like she was quite an integral she still is an integral part 
um, of some of the decisions that you've made. I know that you referenced about how you both went away. Is that right? Um, yeah. So like me and Michelle were the most opposite of each other. We killed mm. each other as like most sisters do. Yeah. But like I was literally ready to be a townie from the age of 15. <laughs> I was like, get me into town. I want a cosmopolitan life. I want to like go to clubs. I want to be, work in fashion and yeah. like literally like re- live in one of those book dreams. Yeah. She was the opposite. She just wanted to hang out in Tala to like, like potter along, doing her bits and yeah. whatever. So we were totally different. And then, so I went off and did all my bits and she got a job uh, where in like local hairdressers and all and like got trained up and was brilliant and had a ball and was delighted. And then when my dad died, I was like, let's go traveling because mm. like I needed someone not that I needed someone, but I was like, it'd be really good for her. Yeah. Um, it would be really good for me because I need someone to go with for a year. So off we bopped. And like, I wouldn't say that I, the year was me molding her, but it was kind of like sh- showing her, here's the whole world. Do you know that way? And that yeah. sounds really patronizing, but at the same time, it was widening her point of mm. view. Yeah. So we kind of got more and more, alike and interested in the same kind of things I suppose mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying that you have to go and travel the world for that to happen and I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong that like you should be a tenure, or you should, whatever absolutely not but I suppose in terms of our personalities it just brought us like closer together because we'd been such at Rick at the opposite sides of the yeah. scale so we totally like became much closer when we were traveling and much more alike and then it was when we were traveling that Tropical Popical kind of came about and that we'd open it. And I didn't know anything about the beauty world. Like I'd worked in like sex shops and PR for yeah. 20 years. I was literally like, I don't know anything about beauty. And But she had opened salons and like knew the beauty industry. So it was the perfect match. So yeah. it kind of made sense. So that year was pivotal in our relationship, I suppose, and how we got on with each other and in interacted and related to each other yeah it's incredible it's it's an incredible story um you know just uh, it's a very it's it's a very sweet story the fact that you know that you decided to take on or take off and while you're traveling and exploring this you know new relationships within each other and the world you have this sort of like brainwave right let's do this we don't know anything about it but let's just try and sound so poetic when it, you say it, it back does, when I was like, literally just, just <laughs> getting wrecked in Asia <laughs> having a ball losing toenails <laughs> but like it's just it, it's a like it must be very special to be able to share that with your sister you know what I mean and no that you know she's your sister she's your family so you especially within business that you have that security to know that like you know it totally is and whenever like you have staff moving on or like mm. whatever you're kind of like thank god we have each other to, to yeah. rely on and like I always think of like because we kind of became really good friends after mm. my dad died I'm, I always kind of then I'm like what would I do if my sister died and it's like like obviously my mom as well but like between the two of them you're literally like oh my god how would I cope and it's Mm. obviously everyone's worst nightmare to think of someone dying and I like when my dad died we got through it grand and you do get through it can I ask how old you were when your dad died Ooh, I feel like Trop Pop is seven years old Mm. so how old am I now I think oh I 30 
I was 29 and I turned 30. Wow. So that in itself is a very kind of uh, pivotal year for a lot of people in their lives. Like I know for me, 29 going on 30 was when I made a lot of my life changes and like things were kind of <laughs> crashing in. I was like, okay, time to like get what my shit together. What is going on, you know, for the better? But um, yeah, I don't know if it was an age thing. It was definitely a circumstance thing. And it was mm. definitely, I was starting to quit. Like I worked in PR as like, m- my job is literally making people believe they need to buy stuff. Yeah. And that kind of moral high ground mm. hit me first. And Do you th- think that it was because uh, as a result of your dad passing where you kind of had this sense of like what was really important in life? Yeah. So like there was a few things that had happened within my job and with clients. And I was like fuck off mm. and then my dad died and I was like like this is not life and yeah. then we went traveling and I was like this is life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, <laughs> we kind of couldn't wait to get home at the end but mm. uh it was yeah it was definitely a re not a reaffirming that's the wrong thing a re-questioning period of my life of like yeah. what is like what is and like I still obviously I still don't know the answer what's the meaning of life um but I know that it's not trying to make people buy shit um and obviously I take quite the anti-consumerist capitalist stance Mm. now um but it's so funny because I literally spent 15 of my years trying to make people Mm. buy things but that's interesting because maybe it's because that That, you've done that which is why you have the realization like like Pinterest queen I actually don't even have Pinterest but like (laughs) Maybe I do, but like, don't you know, I totally buy into mm. all that, like what you've been through makes you who you are. And I think even if that is just a way for people to make themselves feel better, yeah. it does make me feel better. So I am taking it. So Absolutely. like, it's like what, like, and I suppose I've heard other people who've been through absolute shit and they're like, well, do you know what? I didn't want to go through that and I didn't mm. deserve to go through that. And I take that on board as well. So like, I suppose, can you pick and choose your yeah. Pinterest quotes absolutely yeah absolutely you can indeed. it makes you who you are until it doesn't and then it doesn't so grant it's very interesting to hear you say that because one of the the uh, standout factors of tropical popical and anything that you've really been involved in for for me when I've I've looked at your work is that it seems to be this big sense of community and it's more about like the people and the feeling and the experience as opposed to you know you just need your nails done on like a Saturday night yeah. whatever, which I'm sure there are people that, <laughs> that do come in that they just need their nails done but is that because you know you're having this experience like you're saying where the material things are not important and is it you know, are that some of the things that are important to you in your own life? Like, and you're trying to bring them into sort of the work 100%, environment. 100%, because when we were setting up the, like, essence of Trop Pop and what it was going to mean, mm. that was when we were traveling. And, like, I was sitting on a beach with my computer tapping away for ages going, what do I want this to be about? And I was like, like, to be honest, I don't, I'm not really into beauty mm. world. I don't care about, like, not that I don't care about beauty products, but, like, it's not my buzz. Yeah. It doesn't turn me on. It's like I'll put on a cream if there's a cream in front of me at nighttime and like yeah. beauty editors all over the country are going, what? <laughs> uh, but um, I'm it's whereas Michelle is totally into all of yeah. that stuff. So like when I was writing it, I was like the opening a nail bar is really good because no matter your body size, your age, mm. whatever, it's so democratic. It makes anyone feel good. So yeah. you can come in and feel amazing after mm. getting your nails done um, and leave. So like. I, there's a lot about the beauty industry that's questionable in terms of like playing on people's insecurities and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I thought that 
with a nail bar you don't have that so it, it's literally just putting a color on your nails and it's yeah. not saying that you have to conform to any ideals of beauty or what they are or defining what it means to be a woman or a man or or a not as the yeah. case may be um so i loved that about a nail bar and i also when we were opening and this is kind of this is something that when i look back on i didn't know i was deciding but i wanted it to be something that was special to dublin that like uh, and the more like we i work on no more hotels and and the more mm. important the fabric of s- dublin society becomes to me mm. um and if i kind of wanted it to be something that was just for dublin yeah. and that was part of my hometown and that wasn't going to be rolled out across Galway Cork or what scaled or mm-hmm. like and we, we've had VC offers to like scale the business and to do all that and I turned it down I was like I don't want to a lose control because I've seen so many stories of people who then were chasing the next round of investment mm-hmm. to get to the next stage because they had to deliver on like profit margins and all that kind of stuff so like that wasn't what I want, the life I yeah. wanted to be. And I also wanted, why should I, and I have a big problem with profits going up in the pyramid to the top. And I was like, why should I set up something else in Cork? Why not, doesn't someone in Cork do that? And yeah. someone in Galway do that and someone, whatever, so that we all have our little community. And I'm a big fan of um, creating a, uh, a community obviously like I I did see Trap Pop as being like a community base that people mm. will come in and it's kind of changed a little bit now that they could come in and just hang out and work on their laptops and as we got busier that we couldn't facilitate that but we did loads of pop-up shops with like yeah. Irish designers like we did Joanne Hines and Natalie Coleman and like we had lo- we did loads of kind mm. of sex shop of stuff and so we were always kind of reaching out to see what we could do within the community but also in terms of like I did this TED talk, TEDx talk on escaping the economy and more. And it was yeah. all about like based on when I'd walk down Capel Street, I'd see all these. And I don't know why it was Capel Street that sprung it on me. But like I'd see all these shops that you could see it being in uh, in generation upon generation. And they were these shops were owned by them. They'd mm. sell or do like provide services or requirements to the people of the community. And then that would provide for them to live and to buy things so it was like that's what life kind of should be yeah um and then when you see the way uh businesses are set up to kind of workers are being annihilated they're not being paid um and it's all going up to the top of this pyramid it's like what is the point of Mm. working like and then when you see people who are just so obsessed with working all the time to get to the next level it's like a job really and the def like the reason that working and jobs were created was to give us a reason to swap money for services yeah whereas now it's trying to it's people are defining themselves Mm. as who they are based on what they do and i think that is where a lot of the issues of I, people swing their dick and well I'm a VC or I'm a like a, yeah I'm a like what do you mm. vice president twice removed or whatever yeah it's because <laughs> it's people's egos Absolutely. and they're just climbing and standing on who they need to to get more money more power and more um positions just to make their ego satisfied rather than the humanity of life absolutely that's so 
like I've goose pimples hearing you talk like that and to to speak like that and not only because it makes absolute sense and you've tapped into kind of like you know the humanitarian aspect of living right but also the fact that I imagine it will be very easy for you to go I accept I accept bring in the money just I don't give a shit I'm just going to make it all now and see us all later I'm off into the sunset and I'm going to be on holidays for the next however long right go back on no, holidays don't get me wrong I like going on holiday for us <laughs> but like but, you know so I imagine it's a lot that's why it, I, it's you know it's kind of a, a, a thing of where I'm listening to you speak and I'm going you know fair play to you like you have your morals in, in standpoint and clearly have your ego in check do you know what I mean and that's why you're successful is that you that sense of who you are and that honesty and that truthfulness in your heart is why you're successful but I suppose it also goes back to defining what success is for me so for me success is not having 20 shops like Mm -hmm. for me success is creating the life I want to live and that's kind of my mantra I'm definitely getting it tattooed I keep saying I'm going to do it but it's like (laughs) I just love the idea of like sitting down and deciding how you want each day to look and what Mm -hmm. you want to be doing and like the fact that I have one shop it's very easy to manage well it's not very easy to manage but like um the minute you have staff (laughs) that's when the crack starts (laughs) uh no but like it is but I've one shop uh I get to go in and hang out with the girls. I get to like have the crack. I'm not sitting in an office doing HR. I'm not having people report into me on reports and how what our profit margins are. And mm. like I'm like, okay, can we afford to pay the rent? Can we afford to pay our wages? We're all delighted. Yeah. And then that affords me the time and the space and the headspace to do all the stuff that I'm passionate about as well as mm-hmm. that. So like obviously Trap Hop is lets me do all the stuff I want to do in terms of like I love art and I love branding and I love all that kind of stuff so we play around with projects within Trap Pop but then it also lets me do like United Ireland because I love current affairs and politics so mm-hmm. um, I get to do that podcast with Una then I and I got to work on Repeal which I wouldn't have been able to do if I had a full-time job because yeah. it, it became my full-time job and the space of that allowed me was just amazing for mm-hmm. for trap hop and i just don't think if i had made different decisions in getting bigger and scaling and w- like making products and all that jazz that i would have had the time to do those things and i think those are the things that have shaped me and the things i feel passionate about and that make me feel and i i don't want to feel like they made me feel worthy or anything but i it gave me purpose yeah. and a, a purpose bet bigger than myself or mm-hmm a business or achieving a goal that was just about me it was about a bigger goal for everyone mm-hmm. else so I think that having that space was tantamount to my headspace absolutely it's interesting for 18 episodes of this uh, podcast I always ask the question about life purpose and do the people that there I have my guests on the show for a particular purpose because I've seen something in them that I think our listeners will find inspirational or interesting and I always ask about life purpose and do you believe that one life purpose exists and that you are you are following your own life purpose so it's very interesting to hear you actually touch on it and like let me ask you the question do you feel like you are fulfilling a life purpose and and what is it for you is it you know Obviously, we're saying that it's a lot more to you than just having a successful business. It's being able to give back in these different ways and use your voice for the betterment of of your community. Um, so, do you feel like you're God. completing your life purpose? <laughs> I 
would have to go back and figure out what the meaning of life was mm. because without knowing that, how do you know what the purpose of life is? Yeah. And all you can do is try to do the best you can mm. with what you with what your morals look like. And for me, that looks for me, my things are community um, and humanity and trying to make things a better place. Mm. Where the did world, that make, make it, it a better, better place. <laughs> 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 I'm it's so cheesy when you try and uh, like I just it's very hard to, it is but it's very simple though as well though isn't yeah, it like I it's, just think it's cheesy but it's simple it's cheesy but it's simple and I think life purpose for me it can't just be about professional goals for myself it has to be about a bigger picture yeah. and what your com- uh what's the word what you're contributing yes. like it's, it can't just be about taking and achieving for me it has to be about what I can contribute to the world exactly and there's in any you know psychology study that you do about uh what is happiness and what is the meaning to life they'll always go back to like our caveman days where you learn to scale or you're taught a skill and then you teach that skill back to the community or you know whether it's like to being able to fish you learn how to fish and then you show somebody else how to fish and then they can all feed the their family or whatever yeah. it is so it's kind of that thing of what you're saying contributing or giving back it's that in 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 um in definition I suppose but I'm trying to get a sense of where this sort of like big heart comes from you know like is it do you would you go back to how you were raised were your parents very you know uh political or do they always teach you how to like you know use your voice or you know where did it come from I've like my parents weren't political Mm -hmm. um but they were very community based my dad was the milkman for the area insert joke here yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but he was like known throughout the community and yeah. like if anyone was ever in need mm. they'd come to him or like yeah. if anyone needed money or if anyone needed like help or so like he wow. was definitely a stalwart of the community yeah. so I suppose it came from that and my mom has always been very headstrong and mm. um yeah, so I suppose if you put the two of those together. Yeah, the perfect dynamic. <laughs> uh, but headstrong like, with a big heart, like amazing. Yeah, right? but it was always, it wasn't like there was never illusions of grandeur or mm. like ego or anything like that. We were like a working class family in mm. our house. We were like, we were spoiled rotten, like yeah. anything we wanted, me, me and my sister got or like not material wise, but like we were like, adored you know that way so I think that as well as um my dad being the community kind of man then my mom being like I don't know Mm. it just I suppose it all come I I can't put my finger on it it comes from where you come from Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say, you know, that you had this recognition or your awareness of being adored. That's a very specific word, you know, a very lovely word to use that you were adored and to feel that from your parents is something that, you know, when we think about like children and how they develop over the years into adults, a feeling of being adored as a child by your parents is 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 very important and I'm wondering is that where you get this like pure confidence from because it's confidence and it's it but it's not ego it's oh like, my god you like it's so gas when people are like there's confidence where yeah. like I literally if you t- spoke to me in like I remember my best friend still now we were in school together 
and she was very confident in school. If somebody spoke to me in the class, my whole face went red. I literally hated speaking in public. I hated anyone asking me anything. I hated attention. I just wanted to be kind of like in the background. Mm. So like, I don't know where then the flip happened. Yeah, I think you're so flamboyant and so, you know, like so fashionable and you're somebody who you would want to look at and like, you know, you're the aesthetic and just... I suppose, like, like as much as we were adored as kid, children or whatever, like we, there was obviously, we didn't have like the perfect childhood. Like, yeah. so like we also had our own issues to deal with. And like, I definitely um, think that when I started going out, club, like I put, put so much down to clubbing yeah. in a good way. Like it mm. definitely gave me like, not a purpose... I don't want to swing that around too much <laughs> but it definitely brought me out of my shell and gave me confidence and yeah. gave me a place in the world I suppose that I hadn't mm. felt before and whilst I was like shy and like I'd been put through drama school and everything to try and bring me out of my shell and I just wasn't having any of it whereas clubbing did that and yeah. and gave me a community that of like-minded people because I was never your typical girly girl I never want like I was never like one of the girls do you yeah. know that way but then I was never like one of the lads either so I was mm. like where do I fit and I ne- yeah. like whereas clubbing was kind of full of these like others do you know that yes. way and it was like finally I'm not I, I'm not like and even now like when I look out mm. like I'm not a, like there's no typical anymore but I'm not sweating to get married and have yeah. kids and then I'm not sweating to like play rugby or do you know that way so mm. like I kind of clubbing gave me that yeah community and I think that's where my confidence came from mm. um did you find yourself feeling a little bit found when you found that kind of like club culture a hundred percent and yeah. like it started with pod and then it went to temple of sound and then like it was proper like clubbing like yeah. uh tech was it techno it was techno music but yeah. like columbia mills all that jazz so i was like going out to go clubbing and then like it kind of then i discovered the cherry on top which was the queer community so it was yeah. literally like all the kind of extravagance and the uh I, I hate saying the fun but like mm. Queers have more fun they when they go out. Do. Like they just have more. Well, fun. they do because I know from like you know, uh, like my my token gay friend Terry. We both know like when our bunch of friends want to have a good night out, we ring Terry because we know that we're going to be yeah. bored. And it's like just that inclusion of like just like be free, have fun, you know, like just dancing, just not caring. The difference you know? of like and both have their place yeah but like when you go back to a session full mm. of straight people and a session full of queer people yeah like you have the crack you're sitting around you're like buzzing at the straight session you go back to the mm. queer session everyone's putting on a show the, yeah like wigs are out we're getting the sequin numbers we're yeah. like there's a show we're going to town yeah. on it so like yeah. I suppose there's just a different type and like mm. I love both and yeah. like kind of veered between the two equally yeah. um, and love both. But I suppose it's just a different type of mm. extravagance. Absolutely. I'm like, <laughs> let's, to the nearest queer bar. Let's go. Um, what day is it? Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday. Witchy oh, Wednesday's what? on. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Veda. <laughs> <laughs> We're out. Um, but so then... Um, 
what I want to ask you as well, when you got decided to get into obviously the repeal project, um, the no more hotels, uh, what was the other one that you done? Obviously, United Ireland is obviously, you know, that's a very important podcast um, for right now. So you're kind of bringing in all these like, you know, things that are passionate to you that are kind of in the public space at the moment very interesting time for people in terms of like the youth of today not wanting to vote or not really caring about voting and not caring about what's happening in their communities because we have this you know um kind of cultural shift at the moment where people are as you say can consumed with consumerism mm-hmm. and like the next best thing or looking a certain way or doing this or doing that so for you, I mean, like, obviously you're talking here about how important it was for you to give back and to, to contribute. But did you ever kind of stop and go, like, if I get too far into this, could it affect, like, my business or my brand? Or am I moving away from, am I getting into kind of, like, deep waters or serious territories? Do you ever think about that? I do. So, like, I suppose I've never strategically approached where these things we're going to go yeah so like they've all happened organically and about something I've been passionate about and that's affected me and that I'm like this has to change mm-hmm. and how can I contribute to that in any way and when uh I started Unreal Issues to kind of the um yeah. to work on repeal mm. um for sure I remember when we were we kind of I'd worked in PR so I was I put it together as a PR plan of how like the like the structure of the campaign would be yeah and at the time James Kavanagh was working for me and we were sitting in the office and and Ashton Lawler as well and hi Ashton and we were sitting there and I remember going before like before we'd kind of done the plan I was like we need to be to make sure that we are confident to tackle any subject that is going to come up. Mm-hmm. So we spent like eight weeks just fully researching everything before we were going to come out and publicly um, make a stand about it because mm-hmm. I didn't want there to be any grey area of like where we were unsure about something or where we were preaching something where it was wrong or whatever. Yeah. And I think in that situation, if you're going to take that stance, you need to have the information and you need the, yeah. to be able to back up what you're saying. So we kind of took that time out. And then as we were about to do this, I was like, uh, if I like, so there was two kind of questions in my mind. It was like, will I publicly associate myself with this or will we just do it like anonymously? Mm-hmm. And I was like, firstly, I think the campaign needs people who are going to be public about it. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying earlier that like your media profile or whatever, I don't really, I'm like a little hermit and whatever and I like I didn't really want to and I was like but if other people see people coming out and saying I support this Mm -hmm. then they'll be more confident to do it and that's what it needed but I did question if I do this am I going to have pickets outside Tropical Popco? Yeah you're the sacrificial lamb you know. Am I going to have like people like hacking into our Facebook and giving us bad reviews and all like and all that jazz. Now I don't know how we flew under the thing, but nothing untoward happened for the whole thing to Tropical Popical, which was brilliant. But also for the whole campaign, the way we based it was that if people click on to any of our social media, because it was social media based, they already agree with what we're saying. So they're on board already. So we've already Mm -hmm. done that job. We need to get onto other people's platforms. So we sat down and just wrote lists and lists of like sports people, fashion people, art people, 
that we could approach to ask them to put something on their social media. So if I wasn't willing to be able to stand up and be counted, how could I expect anyone else to do that? So that kind of made the decision for mm. me. Well, well, thank you for <laughs> sort of the predominantly. Thank you very much because we really do need like, I don't know if if I would be able to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and not from the sense of that I would be worried about my business and my brand. It's just that having that confidence and that level headedness to say like, we're going to have to go through the storm here and like, we don't know what's going to happen and mm. what, what will happen in the way, but we just have to prevail and, you know, be strong on it. Like, let's be honest. I'm a white woman living in a privileged society. I, there was really like when you think about, and I know it's not an either war situation, but mm. I think of people who like go through real like terror to get yep. to stand up for what they believe in so I don't think like I did anything spectacular I do you know that way yeah, so it's not yeah. like whatever but like so I think it's worth just not getting running away with it. <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of because I was we're, we're lightly touching on it there but like when you think about kind of like you know your life I suppose and we're talking about how confident you are and how kind of like with this kind of head strong, you know, just you, you seem to come off as someone who when you have an idea, you just execute it and let's just go with it and, and see how it turns out. Um, is there anything in life that you fear? Like when you when you go through the week, like what is there a, any element of fear that you have in your life? Mondays. <laughs> I suppose there's two answers to that. One, uh, it's not that I don't fear anything. It's just that I have a very strong group of friends behind me that yeah. um, I have the backing of them. So I don't really care if mm. whatever happens outside of that. If people hate me, don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, and if people like me, don't care. I'm not in it again for ego and to try and make people like me or dislike mm -hmm. me. That's their own prerogative. I once I know that I have the people I love and that love me back grant yeah and I'm like I think that's another bonus from being uh not in a two-way relationship when you've got like a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you're they become your plus one and who you rely on for everything and then yes. if that breaks down you're kind of back to square one whereas mm -hmm. I've been pretty much single for most of my life so I have this like full array of people who fill different spots of what a partner would so mm -hmm. like that each of those needs is ticked um so I have a really strong support network Mm. so like I don't care about whatever and then what was the other part what was the question oh fear and then yeah I don't like I've, I've a very kind of strategic mind yeah. in that like I don't go into things blindly and go okay like I'll usually know the outcome of what's going to happen and be prepared for that so it's not that I'm jumping into things going fuck it let's see what happens like it's it is measured a lot like most of the time so yeah. I am kind of very cognizant of what will be what the ripples would be of something. And mm -hmm. sometimes that those ripples are a good ripple. And then if yeah. they're not going to be, then I weigh back in. That's really a, a, a very um, that explanation or definition of the relationship term that, that you brought in there. That's really, really interesting. And that's something that I definitely resonate with, um, you know, when people 
No, I mean, I don't want to say that I'm getting it all the time, but in conversation, maybe, you know, where friends might be like, would you not just try and, you know, jump on Tinder or Bumble or whatever's yeah, going on? Yeah, you will. I'll like, yeah, have that as well as everything else. <laughs> we can have it all. <laughs> but I'm like, I, I, I that, that, that way of breaking it down that you have all these people in your life that fill these relationship kind of like little quotas that are along. That's something I definitely feel like as well. I feel like I'm not missing out on anything yeah, because yeah. I have all these people people that you know feel a certain type of um whatever it and is and maybe that my fear is like actually we were talking about what we we're going to dress up as for halloween yeah and it was like for trap hop the theme was something you're afraid of so mm. it can either be the typically halloween thing or whatever you're afraid of in life yeah so i was like what am i afraid of and michelle was like commitment <laughs> and i was like gas well, but i don't think i don't think i am like i think i'm like no it's fine i'm totally mm. open to it but I think I am afraid of relying on one person to deliver everything I need in the world. And I don't think I would like that because I like the fact that I and even I'm arranging my 40th birthday at the, at the moment. And I'm literally like inviting all these different groups that I not that I keep separate on purpose, but I love having my night out with this person. And yeah. I have different experiences and different ways of enjoying people's company. Mm. And the thoughts of bringing all that together is literally like what it would be like to bring a partner together and yes I don't know if I'm into it I think I like jumping between mm. things and it like they say variety is the spice of life I love being able to do that and that some nights I'm having like the coat like and I know you do that with a partner but like what do you talk about after a while yeah. <laughs> like even <laughs> when I was traveling with my sister that's mm. kind of why we got into nails because we'd literally be sitting at a dinner table like those don't you know when you see an old couple who've they've spent their life together they've nothing to talk about no that was us I mean literally like any nails yeah. no to do anything today switch all day bought this top you were there so that's why we started getting our nails done so like um yeah I just I think that does that yeah it does yeah it, it makes perfect sense i can't believe that you're nearly 40 i know me either you in my mind i'm 23 because yeah. <laughs> i keep scoring 23 year olds <laughs> <laughs> that'll <too>. do it <laughs> <laughs> when is your birthday september oh, are you virgo libra libra well very balanced <laughs> very balanced there now. yeah it's not for a year but we're going to make enough so very cool brilliant um Oh yeah, I can't believe you're forty. Uh, could you not yet? Not yet. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> next year, next stop year. adding years to me. <laughs> Twenty three. Do you recognise, um, you know, like the stages in your life? Say when you turn twenty, when you turn thirty, when you turn forty. Like when you look back on kind of all the like life lessons, life knowledge that you've acquired. Is there kind of like one or two things where you could maybe like put it down on a Pinterest post like or a meme, you know what I mean? Like what what have you kind of learned or amassed in terms of like life experience and all that time? I think the one thing that I would say is my biggest advice. Two things. Yes. One, create the life you want to live and mm. don't be helmed in by tradition and expectation. And two is. Don't you know? I'm going to give it back. Don't you know when you go to clubs these days and people are like, yeah, it was so young. And then they're saying that in a negative way. I'm like, yeah, stunning. Yeah. Because give me the ideas. Give me the energy. Give me the vibe mm. of young people. I like I want to embrace 
that because they have such energy and such mm. a way of looking at things and that I am thirsty for. I'm like, I'm like an episode of death becomes her. Like I am, and not that I want to stay young. And I like, I think that I don't want, I'm not trying to like get my face to look like a 23 year old. Yeah. I'm not trying to live the life of a 23 year old, but I thrive on the energy and the ideas and all the stuff that youth brings. So when mm. I see a club full of young people, I'm like, yeah, what are they doing? What are they thinking? What are they wearing? What are, what is the future? Uh, mm. And like, I, I love that. So I, I suppose it's like, don't write off the youth and like, don't try, you don't have to like separate yourself from that just because you're elder, but be able to be cognizant of everything that the youth of tomorrow yeah can deliver to a better world and suck it up absolutely did you ever <laughs> think about going into like you know schools and doing little like little talks like you know because obviously your ted talk was a massive hit and you've done so well on that like you know who, who did you always know public like, joe's have a thing for public speaking or like <laughs> wait till i tell you about the ted talk <laughs> so because you've made it when you've done a ted talk don't it's you know? a tedx not a ted talk <laughs> I have the worst memory in the world. Like, I'm not even joking. And that, like, even when I'm doing uh, the podcast with Ian, I'm literally like, what's the word for? And I have to, like, really think about things. And the, I don't know if it's the older I get or the more I session, but, like, I can't remember as much for sure. And when I was doing that TEDx talk, I, everyone was like, are you really nervous about it? And I was like, I'm actually not. I couldn't give a shit. I will, mm. get, like, I don't mind. I can get up and speak in front of thousands like I would do Crow Park. But where my nervousness is, is trying to remember what I'm meant to say next. Mm. So you're not allowed to have any prompts or paper or anything. So you have to learn it off by heart. And I forgot it twice. I had to th- stop get off the stage look at everything and like you're in front of an audience and like so it's kind of a running joke that all my friends are like oh my god you've done three TEDx talks because I had to like I was like standing with the lights shining on me going and everyone thought I was nervous and I was like I just can't remember what's next I just don't have a memory so I absolutely hate I love public speaking if I can talk if I'm just telling a story or whatever and it's like what and I do like loads of public speaking stuff like that Mm. but the if I have to remember a speech, oh my God, it brings me out in a rash. So that was one of the most traumatic things I've ever done. Wow. Because the two times, to- imagine like the first time I was like, I literally can't remember well, off that's stage. what I'm thinking. I was like, whatever about forgetting your lines when you're on there, but having to go off stage off and then stage, come back Look on. at the script. Back on, and I was so particular of every word I wrote on that, that yeah. I didn't want to get one word wrong. So like, it wasn't a case that I could just tell a story. I was like, that is a really important word that I want yeah. to put in there. So it was very poignantly put together. So then the stress of it and then having to go off. This, and then the second time you're like, I've done it again. I can't remember. Oh my God, I was absolutely mortified. And then afterwards, right. So eventually like fair play to Sharon, who was kind of like, the organizer she was like mm. we're getting your video you're getting it you've like put so much work into it and I was like okay fine so I got there in the end but then I came off and literally like it was not a pity clap but everyone was coming up she gone fair play to you <laughs> you got back up there I'm like oh Such I'm resilient. absolutely scarlet <laughs> like it was absolutely mortifying I 
like literally went to the restaurant and drank about 17 glasses of wine after it. I was so traumatized. Well deserved. Well deserved. Oh, even thinking about it now, it was so stressful. But uh, uh, the reason I'm saying about, you know, like, did you ever think about going into schools and that is because you've got a very um, important message in that when you're talking about when you were growing up about like not finding your place in like one group or the other group. And then eventually, you know, as life goes on, finding your place and being found and then from that spurred this like incredible life of like business friends like social like whatever it is but you know what I I love that and I always say like the point of difference when you're younger can seem awkward but when you're older is what your USP so like yeah. uh even when I was opening trap pop I was like it's gonna be really tacky and everyone's like nobody's gonna buy into that and I was like I'm, like uh, I think they will and I like mm. that was what our USP was that it was attack fest yeah and like I love that about it but I, I don't use the word look because I, I don't know what look means mm. but it could have all gone totally different and it could mightn't have been a success story so yeah. can I um assign that to the fact that I hadn't found my place and now I have and then it's all worked out so I just I'm cautious of of singing from that hymn sheet you know that way yeah, that and like yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe some people won't find their crew mm. and like so but obviously then there needs to be hope in the world that you will so I don't know I think it's a, a dangerous game is it yeah yeah or am I just being reading into things see there's my cautious mind because I haven't really thought about it yeah but like on instantly I'm like hmm I don't know. I'm, I'm just coming from the aspect of like when I think about it and think about, you know, our kids and like our youth that are coming up in and, you know, who, who do they have to like talk some, you know, realistic sense, I suppose, in a way. It just seems like it seems that, you know, they seem to be a little bit. Um, I feel like we've got a lot more now. Like you've got the likes of Billie Eilish being popular. You've got mm -hmm. like the outsiders and like yeah. what I'm putting that in inverted commas. Yeah. But like what is an outsider? So I suppose there is more tribes coming mm -hmm. out. Um, the more we have exposure to social media and people yeah. like the, even whatever about the negatives of social media and the anxiety that it brings and mm. the all that shit. It also is really useful at helping you find a tribe if you yeah. are an outsider. Mm -hmm. And then, so I don't know. But do, do you find, um, like when you think about social media, like, because obviously we grew up in a time when, you know, mobile phones weren't weren't there. You know what I mean? Mm. And it was a, a case of like, you're ringing on the house phone to your mates and like, I'll meet you at 3 p.m. here, there, everywhere. Do you ever, like, I mean, are you glad that you experienced life before social media and mobile phones and like, you know, snapchat and instagram stories or whatever it is or i'm always glad that i experienced life the way i did because i don't know any different yeah. and maybe it would have been a different life if i had to live like that but i'm i i don't know mm. and i can't figure i can't imagine yeah and yeah. i'm kind of very pragmatic in that it happened the way it did and that here we are would mm. i have liked to be a more snapchat world <sighs> I don't think so. Would I? Mm, I don't know. There's benefits to everything. Do you there know is, that way? So yeah, you just have you to just like have to know or... figure and like not even know, but like find the pluses and everything. Mm. I'm a very like I always and like I think that's why our podcast works because I'll always be like if we're giving out about something, be like, well, 
what's the other side of that? That person yeah. thinks they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Can we try and get into their mindset of why they're doing that? Yeah. Um, and that's something I'm always cognizant of. So if it was a case of I grew up with social media, I'd find the good in it and yeah. figure and yeah. focus on that. So I always try mm-hmm. and not to be one of these like people who denies that there's negative sides of things because I think when you're like projecting this like I'm such a positive Pam that's so dangerous as well well. it can be just as toxic as being negative 100% it really is and like I also like I don't I'm not a sharer of like personal shit on social media Mm -hmm. but I'm always cognizant of I don't want to project this perfect life either because I definitely don't have it because Mm -hmm. nobody does Um, and like, I think people are more cognizant of that now um, mm. and realizing that. But yeah. um, but I don't at the same time, then I don't think you should have to share your negative side of things to make other people feel better either. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. No, very interesting. Um, if it ended tomorrow, I don't want to the say world. If, not the world. <laughs> you leave it. You leave it tomorrow. Right. It's quite a morbid question, but it's I I'll. I like the afterthought of okay. it. If you were to leave, I like. I mean, some people get kind of because I, I, I do ask it quite a bit, and some people are like, "What the, every, hell? What the hell? She just asked me what's going to happen when I die. Like, what the hell? Just every to do a single person is, is dying. going to die. Yes, a hundred percent. It happens to you tomorrow. You know, one, are you happy with what you've done so far on this earth? And when your friends are sat around having a glass of wine, having a cheers to you or a glass of Prosecco, whatever it is, how would you like them to remember you? Uh, I think, what was the first bit? What was the first bit? When you die, are, are you, you happy? happy? With what are you happy? Done? Yeah. Are you fulfilled uh, with what you've done so far? I think one of the key proponents of happiness is gratitude. So if you are thankful for every single thing, that happens or whatever then that leads you to being satisfied Mm -hmm. so if you're I'm grateful for everything opportunity I've had um for where I was born for who I was born into for who I've met for what I've done so a hundred percent uh do I want to do more of course like and if I didn't well then I might as well die tomorrow because the minute you lose your drive um to do anything else then it's kind of all downhill from there. Mm. Um, and uh, what would I like my friends to toast me as? That, what would I like them? That I was the crack and not like I say crack as not a performer, just that because I, like I love partying so much so yeah. that I, I'm, she's, she was good at a party, mm. um, which I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also that I, and that... I was always trying to find the good in people. And if I didn't, mm. then that was okay. Yeah. And that I was supportive. And yeah, I think that, I don't know. That's that's, that's a really lovely quality to always find the good in people. And But like sometimes it's really hard. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Would you be of the belief that you there is good in everybody? And I don't mean like, you know, referencing fucking like, serial killers or whatever it is I'm talking about like uh, well actually that's a really funny thing (laughs) well it's not funny at all but like so I remember I was like and this makes me sound like an absolute dose so I'm 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 saying it already so no one's allowed to go at me (laughs) or come at me or whatever I remember when Saddam Hussein was Mm. caught yeah and they were like opening his mouth and everything and I was literally like 
And even when I watched Narcos, mm. like even the sh- awful, awful things that those people have done. You have compassion. They still have children and grandchildren yes. who love them and wives. And I was like, they're still a person, but they're like, they've done such shitty, 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 shitty things. Yeah. But still, I was like, oh God, he's still someone's like, dad or yes. whatever Andrea yeah you are so I am so I resonate with that so much but then I said that to someone they're like Andrea it's Sam saying you absolute <laughs> maniac and I was like oh I know I said. he had a heart though somewhere in there but it, it like it it's it's such a good it, it's a such a great way to be in your life right to always see the good in 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 people and in situations but so also ha- at the same time I'm very protected of my air of my sanctum well this is what I was going to ask you because a lot of friends that I have that will be of the other end that are very cynical and and, you know negative like uh, I watched that situation or you know they're a bit suspicious always say like you know you have to be a little bit more you know cautious or you don't be too you know I hate letting new people in I'm so it takes ages for me to be like like yeah even like friends of friends are like oh fuck off like we're friends with the same person you have to be friends with me yeah oh that's God, happened just, they brought me into a toilet and oh said God, that to me I just said to Andrea which came into this <laughs> oh, yeah, no, your friends. No, but like, it's okay I don't want to be your best friend we're just gonna no, finish like, this we'd podcast be out now, or whatever and they'd be like Andrea come on you have to like let your guard down and I think that comes yeah. like from like okay we're getting into interesting territory now oh. Andrea why is your guard <laughs> up where, I just have always been because that's conflicting. Guarded. That's conflicting of like what you've kind of shown since you've been here, as in like humanitarian, big heart, like caring for other people. But, but I'm very, very cautious guarded. of boundaries. Like I mm. think boundaries are really important, and yeah. like even working on repeal, there was so many people who had trouble with their boundaries and really suffered. And I think yeah. I was very good at being able Give to. Give me an example of what you mean. Like they're when you are giving so much of yourself to something it mm-hmm. it like can t- it takes you down emotionally physically yeah. all that jazz whereas i was like i'm here to do a job i'll go into work do my repeal work then i'm going home and got to go out or i'm going to have dinner and mm. then i'm not completely consumed so i had a boundary set for what that was go- what i was going to let in of that otherwise it could have take like broken me which yeah. and i think I'm the same with boundaries in terms of new people mm. and then definitely in terms of, yeah, in terms of men as well. I think I have like re- really boundaries in place to avoid. I think I'm like so cautious of being hurt and mm. um, that I, and I don't think I was like ever badly hurt, but I just yeah. am like, no. That's really interesting. I wish I was a therapist so I could like divulge deeper and try and explore it. Because when, when I'm <laughs> Come on, ther- Fraser Crane. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in caller one. Um, when, I, um, when I'm in therapy, when I talk about, you know, because I have that thing, um, it's very interesting you say about like, you know, for the last five years, I've been all about like setting up my businesses and doing my passion projects and training and different things and, you know, spending time with people who are, make me feel better and fill me with joy and Mm. just doing spending my week doing things I love and being happy or trying to be as happy as possible and um you know when I think about like 
right what are the in the like with terms in terms of relationships when I talk to my therapist about it you know like oh the girls are saying again about would you not just let someone in or would you not just you know we'd love to see you happy and I'm like I am I happy, am happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I you you're you're like projecting your, your own, own shit onto yeah, yeah, yeah. me I was like I'm really happy and I'm fulfilled and I'm doing all these things and for me right now to have someone uh you know come into my life and to start a relation someone the 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 thought of having to like share my life or to split my time yeah with someone new is like gives me anxiety but my therapist seems to think that I'm afraid of vulnerability and that also I'm afraid to let anyone in because the hurt, I would get too attached and then if anything were to happen and yeah, they leave, yeah. uh, the hurt would be too deep and I don't want to feel that pain anymore. I think that like you after know? my dad died, like... Well, I was just about to say, It's definitely yeah. probably that, like, yeah. in fact, it's, it is that, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm start crying. <laughs> it is that. <coughs> Diversion cough. Um... But yeah, no, I definitely think it is. And that like, I was left by someone I loved. So yeah, that I would yeah. like, and I think my like my dad was an alcoholic. So like when I was growing up, there was that that I was protecting myself yeah. for. And just as I dealt with that, de- then he died. Mm. So then I was back into protective mode again. Yeah. So like, it's like, but I'd, I kind of like protective mode because yeah. you could like, safe space. not even that. What do I like about it? protective mode serves a purpose mm. but you can still be doing other things and yeah. do you know that way so yeah 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 um and can i ask how your dad died was it was it as a result of alcoholism oh no he died by suicide oh and yeah i'm so sorry dun, dun, dun. i'm so sorry to hear that but like it's not that it's it that's is. huge that is massive like that's a massive when you think about what you've just said there, that's obviously a huge, massive part. I think it is impactful. and it isn't. I still, like, I think a suicide is someone being sick. Mm. So is it any different from him dying of a heart attack? Yeah. Do you know that way? Yeah. And maybe that's yeah. me dealing with something or mm. compartmentalizing, but I still think it's like, it's dying of a sickness. Yeah. For yeah. sure. So, Yeah. Wow, that's like, I'm so taken aback by that. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that really genuinely. That's okay. <laughs> but in terms, like, un- like, can we talk about it for a little bit? Yeah. Like, you know, in terms of like the impact, sorry, I'm fucking crying. Sorry. Do you know what it is? Is because I am going through this really strange time at, in my life where like, I obviously still have m- my parents, but I, for some reason, I just keep thinking about my dad dying. It's just something that has consumed me. I don't know whether it's like I'm getting older or that I have like I think a, as unhealed you get old, trauma I think with a, him or what it is. But I'm just like. I think as you get older, your parents dying becomes uh, the worst thing that could possibly happen. But like, then as they get older and older and older, then, yeah. it's, like, then it's grand. Mm. Well, is it ever really grand? I mean, I don't think so. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what <laughs> yeah, happens. So. <laughs> I'll bring you, I'll let you know what it happens, right? But like that, that brings... That you having that experience brings um, the going away with your sister even more important, you know, and spe- to have that bond. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no wonder that you, you've you got this um, outlook on just live your life and be happy and not let anyone in that's going to, you know... Ruin the buzz. Ruin the buzz, <laughs> essentially. Ruin the buzz, you yeah. know what I mean? There will be people that might listen to that will go, holy shit, like, that's... How, do you, how does she get up in the morning? 
after experiencing that because some people could just delve into the um the negative or the not even the negative but the wallowments is that even a word it is now it is now (laughs) of that happening how do you like I'm trying to be really I'm obviously feeling your emotion but also trying to like not say something that's like you know the right thing to say I suppose like there's never like a wrong thing to say I don't think like talk through that time like that's so massive and how like you know, when I was asking you earlier on about would you ever consider going into schools and doing these talk and this positive outlook that you have and like the, the, I'm thinking about that because of the amount of, you know, my other job is obviously Fight Connect TV and I, I you know, I'm around kids that are involved mm. in martial arts and combat sports and there's so much going on at the moment in terms of like combat sports for mental health and every week there's somebody like sending me something saying hi Lydia could you put up this post we just lost a friend Mm. and there's these young boys adults as well and you know suicide is such a it seems to be just everywhere right now it's like so chronic it really is and as someone who like you has Mm. a lot of compassion for people and you know I have this thing where I have a desire or a want to help people you know and that's obviously a reflection of my own again my therapist tells me that I want to heal other people <laughs> yeah. because I can't heal myself right so that's her view on it um and it's that thing of helplessness when it comes to something like suicide like how do we actually help or how, what is the See, conversation well that, like or, that was actually one of my main things that really annoyed me um in the I suppose lead up to it because like I knew it was going to happen and like not that I knew it was going to happen but I expected it but it was like yeah. you, you, you're like what are you meant to do to, mm. to help there's no kind of anyone not that there's no like it's talk to someone like mm. if you talk to them and then what yeah like what do you do then and I think that it's very hard to manage wh- what you're meant to do to help someone in that situation and there is re- like Obviously, there's experts who know way more than me, but everything is always like talk to someone or take a walk and da 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 da. But like that's futile when you're dealing with someone who has depression or Mm. who won't leave the house or who doesn't talk. And like obviously, my dad not obviously, but like my dad was a really like typically Irish man, didn't Mm. talk about stuff and whatever. So it was it. There wasn't a solution that you can mm. like how do I solve this and I'm such a solver I'm I'm like like I was saying very strategic and I'll look at something and I go yeah okay here's where we are how do I get from A to B to solve that and like if it's repeal it's like this is this what do we need to do to get everyone to do this or whatever whereas there was nothing that you can do in that situation and I found it really hard to to deal with the helplessness of like what do I do and like yeah. you're ringing home on New Year's Eve going are you happy new year Mm. and when someone's in that situation where you're like hoping that they're still there that there's there's nothing you can do and like that's a really bad message isn't it for things that there's nothing you can do but I never found anything like well it's it's a mess you're you're someone this is the thing like you're someone who has experienced that mm. and this is like you know um something that you've directly gone through so you're more educated on this subject than maybe a lot of people that are in the position t- that are giving out the advice do you know what I mean well, so oh, well I think they are experts for like they know whatever but I just know dealing with my dad mm. that he didn't want to talk to anyone 
he didn't want to like we'd literally be making up activities and whatever he was like he just wanted to sit in the house mm. so like what are you meant to do in that situation because everything you're told is to have a walk walk like have an activity yeah. it's like we'll, we'll get him a dog and he was like don't want a dog mm. like I don't want to look after it so like it you kind of run out of solu- of solutions like yeah. how do you solutionize somebody's mental health you, yeah. like unless they want to and like he like there was no like my mom had tried loads of stuff mm. me and my sister tried loads of stuff so I think can you, can you pinpoint what I mean not to say where his depression came from or where th- this side of his mental health originated from but like you know was there in terms of like the alcoholism as well do you think that it was just like years of alcohol abuse that led his brain to that way or you know when you think it's back so on hard it, to know like he was like a stoic man who didn't talk about his emotions mm. who like drank heavily so that all contributes to mm. not great mental health yeah. you're not a tampax ad walking with butterflies yeah you know, yeah i don't know why i said tampax I ad, but like <laughs> but i just have that image of like someone walking down the beach with the dogs on on yeah. roller skates so it's like mm. it all contributes and yeah. all your life choices contribute to to where you go i suppose mm. on your mental and actually no that's victim pushing by saying that that mm. but like i don't know like Depression is chemical imbalances. Yeah. Depression is uh, like, don't you know when you see like, just think positively. Yeah. That's not what d- the solution to depression is. So mm. like, it isn't that it's like p- circumstances lead to things happening, I think. And mm. you can try and change those circumstances, reverse them or help them. So I d- like, yeah. I don't know what the solution is. Mm. Do you feel like it's impacted your life um I think it's it, we, we see you've spoken about I think maybe like from your the positive side of how you are and how you like as I said many times like mm. the, just who you are as a person but has it impacted you negatively in any way obviously you're saying about maybe relationships and having a guard up and different yeah things. like a hundred percent I have a guard up um I would say from that um I also I would say I would my weight would be a reason mm. for that because it's like a, an actual boundary and yeah. a, like a physical boundary um but negatively like there was like it was a negative time yeah but it like we got through it and we did mm. our bits and how did you get through it friends mm. how, like I had a really good circle of friends around me. I had like my sister, I had my job, my like think house where I worked at the time were amazing. Yeah. So I had all these support structures in place that like I never took for granted. And then you just like, you just get through shit. Did you ever go to therapy? Did you ever like see oh, a counselor? Like queen therapy. Yeah. Brilliant. I've been in, like yeah. I was in therapy for like, like I'd say the first time I went, because I went to an Alateen meeting, which is like what's that? So Alanon is for the families of drinkers, mm-hmm. and then Alateen is for like teenagers. So I okay. think that was my first thing, and I fucking hated it. I was like, I'm not going back to that. And then I think I started therapy then when my mom left my dad, mm. so that that would have been 21. So I've been in therapy like for ages. Amazing. 
Yeah. It's the best thing. It is the best thing. I I like what people should not be afraid of it. A, you get to talk about yourself for an hour. Andrea, you are it's like <laughs> a mirror image of myself over here. I swear to God. That's when people say to me, I'm like especially now that my best friends are starting to have kids yeah. and you ring them for like you know a moment what do or, I do or, what does this mean yeah and they're like well I can't have time I'm changing like seven nappies here and like I have one of them in the bath ring me back like half yeah six you're paying someone like to that. give you their full attention and they have to exactly you just <laughs> sit there and you just talk about me me me, me and me, what's me, going me, on yeah, with yeah. me but it actually I think has a really good impact on your relationships then outside yeah. of that because you're not so self-indulgent and self-obsessed yes. because you've gotten it out and like and I, like talking about yourself if you have issues or whatever is not being self-indulgent yeah. but it makes it then easier to not be self-obsessed mm. and to be able to be open to other people's yeah. issues a little bit more I think yeah definitely. if you have someone who's looking after yours yeah 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 well every flag out for therapy here and waving it but um, it's, yeah it's so funny that people have this thing they really do just like... and that's why i'm so open to talking about it. like and i actually i i say it as like you know as much as i can even if i'm but if, doing... you, if you break down what therapy is it's just talking to somebody else yes. about why what's on you your mind people are so freaked about like admitting that they go to counseling i think it's or... just an irish thing because we have come from like such a that's your own business. You don't be t- sharing that with yeah. anyone else. Keep and that you keep that within doors. the doors. Close yeah. the doors. So we've come from that. And also it's a notionsy thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're one off the <laughs> therapy. Who does she think she is? Do you know that way? Like there is yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah, yeah, when yeah. you break it down, if that's going to help your mental health, your relationships, your ability to know yourself a bit yeah. better and to your to bring yourself to another yeah. place like Cop on. Absolutely. Get then we should all be doing it. Yeah. You mentioned their Irish culture. What are your favourite things about Irish culture? My favourite things about Irish culture are the crack, Gaga's Kill. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm actually recently getting much more into traditional Irish culture. And we were yeah. just, uh, like looking at this on the podcast a little while ago. It's mm-hmm. like as our culture is like. I suppose if you look at what culture means to people, it it can be so problematic because yeah. then people put who they are as a culture ahead of humanitarian yeah. and humans in general. So I'm always cautious of that, of like, does being a Dubliner define me or mm. am I like putting a lot more um, emphasis on this than I should? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but as I suppose the issues that we're facing more and more around our culture and the homogenization and the uh, gentrification is happening. The more I find myself turning to trad music, lear- mm-hmm. wanting to learn Irish uh, and bringing it kind of going back to our roots, I suppose, yeah. and to yeah. try and keep that alive a little bit mm-hmm. and to celebrate that a bit more. So yeah. definitely getting into that. I'm absolutely raging because I was going to like Casties to see Rake the Ashes most Sundays. And yeah. then Christine Aguilera was there the week I didn't go. Fuming. <laughs> I actually heard, I saw it on Twitter. So I was like, Exina is in Cassidy's. And I was like, I'm there every Sunday. I didn't know whether it was like, you know, fake news or whether someone had come in and like drag or something and they were just after putting up a video. But she was actually there. Fully there having a sing song. No Raging. way. I don't even look. She, she actually, like, lately, I don't know what it is about Exina, but she just seems to be having a ball. She really just seems to be coming yeah. out of herself. Yeah. Let's tell her that the next time I have her, <laughs> have her on the phone there. Um, but in terms of the future now going forward, like what, what are your hopes and dreams? And, you know, 
business wise, personally wise, you know, do you sit down and think like, this is what I want? Or are you just more content with like present moment? I'm a very present moment. Like even when we're trying to organize stuff for work, Michelle yeah. would be like, what are we doing with this? That will be in two weeks because we need to like order something. And I was like, Michelle, I can't think outside this week. And it's, I don't know if it's a way that people look at time, but I can't get my head around something that is not in the next seven days. Yeah. It's the way I view time within my head. Mm. And I, right. I, like, I think there's some, like, I think I've read something about it, but it's like, I can't deal with anything outside of a week. Yeah. Which is really weird. I don't that's, know what that. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. But like, I'm quite good. I used to be really good at holiday. Like I'm good at stuff like that, but I've gotten worse. So yeah, I don't, I'm a very, I love the present and I think that is why I don't really suffer from anxiety a yes. lot because well, yeah. I'm not concerned too much with the future. I'm very like, what am I doing today? Am I delighted with today? Grand, what am I having for dinner? Mm. Um, But yeah, I don't, yeah, I kind of sit down every year and write like what I'd like to do for the year ahead. Yeah. Um, and set myself little girls like write a book haven't mm. done that yet um, or whatever they are and yeah but like I think my main goals and hopes are just to be delighted every day yeah and like doing everything you can to make yourself delighted and mm. whatever that means yeah and what makes you delighted final question what makes me delighted uh I love what makes me delighted a feast of tackiness in my eyes mm. uh, drag makes me delighted going out partying makes me delighted sitting in my house makes me delighted mm. so like I'm literally a contradiction yeah. like I can go for like three weeks and just I'm a, such a home like I'm such a home bird mm. but then if I go out I go out for three days so yeah. there's no kind of whatever so I'm kind of in between those two so yeah. hanging out with people I love doing either sitting in or going out. Fab. <laughs> and then, yeah. Sounds and, and delightful. Then, but then doing <laughs> stuff that like I enjoy doing. So whether yes. that's... Which is what what's going on for you? Obviously, we've Tropical Popical. Um, the No More Hotels campaign, that's obviously still in... Like what is happening there? With No More of... Hotels, we've got... We're, do, we're trying to um, showcase clubbing that it doesn't... I suppose when we look at clubbing in Ireland, it's very much... Uh, no wonder clubs are closing down because mm. it's not commercially viable and like I hate that word that everything has to be commercially viable mm. but that's the world we live in and if you're a club owner you open for two nights a week Friday and Saturday from 11 to 3 yeah. so our licensing laws are in bits they need to change but th with prinks the way they are people don't arrive till 1 so mm. you have 1 to 3 to make money so yeah. how is that a viable business? So what we wanted to do with No More Hotels is take that model and showcase how you could change clubbing into a different format. So mm. that's why we have uh, dinner and a show. So it starts at eight. So it's getting people into venues earlier and uh, providing them with food and drinks that they mm. pay for tickets for, but providing entertainment. You can't expect people to want to go out early if they're just going to be in a black box. Yeah. But however, if you don't have the funds to invest because you're only open from two hours, then how do you do that? So it's trying to make things more commercially viable, playing around with our licensing laws. If we have to go home at three, well, let's go out at eight. Mm. Um, so we've that this Saturday. And then where is that on? In Wigwam. 
Right, perfect. And our tickets available? Tickets for, are available. They're sold out for the dinner and a show part, but we have this thing called Dublin Island Discs at, from Half Ten, where we ask people who are doing fab things in Dublin to come and pick 10 of their songs that define Dublin for them. Wow. So it's celebrating the city and the people in it as well. So it's kind of, um, that kicks off at Half Ten, there's tickets to that. Amazing. From our Instagram. Cool, that's so cool. Yeah. So we've no more hotels, tropical popical, and then anything else. You know, United, United Ireland. Ireland podcast. Yourself yeah. And Una Malali. Yeah. She's brilliant. Um, I love that because don't so you know good. when you take in so much current affairs and you've nowhere mm. to channel it? Yeah. Your mind can go bananas. So yeah. it's so nice to have something to channel that into. Mm. And refreshing for you know me as a listener to hear this kind of topical conversation that's going on, but it's being discussed by your peers and um, you in being discussed in a language that you can understand yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. key detail because for me as soon as you get to like the news or like anything that's going on, on the radio that's political and I just like I, something happens in my brain where it just goes no turn off turn off just doesn't hear anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. and there's like sheep like dancing around the fields in my brain do you know what I mean so like it definitely is is very important so long may yeah. it continue um but yeah what else what else oh go on have I well sure look we'll say it anyway give me an exclusive <laughs> so uh I'm doing this project called Cunnisilingus which is uh an Irish language project right which is giving words to Irish that don't exist that we use every day example poppers there's no word for poppers I don't think in Irish so uh, um, I'm working on words. Well, you know you might need to say it sometime Ev, I've, I've used it many times before <laughs> uh, but yeah she's a Gwelgor so she's putting these words in so that's our new project that we're launching wow. soon that's and will fun. that be like a book or website it's going to start or? as an Instagram and social media campaign and then we're going to do Irish classes for people because there's no really casual Irish classes for yeah. people who want to also have a good time so we're going to mm. do like uh, fun Irish classes where you might have a drink at them oh very oh, good and I hate making things about drinking but like yeah. just a chilled out class mm. where it's not like a screw to who and you're sitting there like taking notes that's yeah. your you're picking up the language that do you speak have you got no. you speak to language ever? would you like to I'm as we say I'm passionate about the language, but not quite <laughs> with the with the words yet. No, but I have like cupola fuckle, but uh, I went well done. I went to Dingle a couple of weeks ago for a week's holiday, and we went to a part where like they were speaking Irish, and there was like this man who was like ninety nine, and he was like speaking Irish to us, and we were just like, "That's my so friend." So embarrassing when you don't it's understand. It's so embarrassing. I was literally like, "That's came why fall, I keep going back." I'm Will Catherdom. On Leris. Yeah. And like literally I was so embarrassed and he just spoke so like eloquently and I was like, what a lovely moment to like have gone to look out at this landscape of Dingle and to have a conversation in Irish with yeah. this 99 year old man. I'm going to Dingle you know for other I mean? voices and I'm sweating because I've oh, never no been way. to other voices. I oh, am dying for it. It is like the dream. Seriously, you'll go and you'll fall in love. I literally did not want to leave Dingle. Yeah, absolutely yeah. beautiful. I'm going yeah. to do and a banter. So come down and listen to me talk oh, banter. Oh, absolutely. Banter, brilliant. That's good stuff. Have you, And you've gone to uh, other voices before? No, no, I've never gone. Incredible. Like just, you'll just be captivated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, listen, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you. Thank thanks you for having so me. Thank you so much for coming in and thank you so much for sharing all that. You're such 
honestly an incredible incredible human so well <laughs> done let's honestly. not lose the run of ourselves <laughs> <laughs> I need a shot I need a whiskey I should have a bottle of whiskey here um, but seriously though um, I long may all this fantastic work continue well done thanks Andrew Horan for the first exchange woo 